Hello, are you new here, podcast listeners? This is co-host Stephanie. Before we get into this week's episode, I wanted to let you know that someone, possibly me, was doing a bit of sneezing and coughing during our conversation. I tried to remove most of these bodily sounds, but some of them were tied up with some real gems that I didn't want to get rid of because I didn't want you to miss them. So please ignore, I promise I'm not sick, and enjoy the episode. Hello, I'm Erica. And I'm Stephanie. And this is the Are You New Here podcast. podcast of pop cultural literacy. I'm the host who knows way too much about pop culture and my sister Stephanie knows basically nothing. So tonight we have something a little bit different but before we get into what our topic is Stephanie would you like to tell us who today's sponsor is? Yes today's sponsor is High Five Magazine. Now they're actually a real thing and they're the sponsor today because tonight after dinner we made Uh, pretend veggie garden out of craft foam and felt and rubber bands and glue and scissors and paper cups. And it was so fun. Wait, I'm sorry, were the scissors incorporated into the fake veggie garden? Yes. So the scissors are growing out of the felt. It's a little bit of an odd thing. Now, you would think with children, you wouldn't want sharp objects, but you know, eh, if High Five Magazine says to do it, we'll just roll with it. (laughs) So tonight's topic is the classic role-playing game Dungeons and Dragons, dun, also dun, known dun. as D&D by those who play it often and can't be bothered to say the whole words. And we have a special guest. Stephanie, Yay! would you like to introduce our special guest? I would love to. We have Aaron is here. Hello. Um, Aaron is going to be our person who knows way too much. Erica will be the person who knows more than Stephanie. So usual role. Nothing changes there. And I will continue to be Stephanie, the person who doesn't know anything. Yeah. So Aaron, the way that we, we typically work is that we start by asking Stephanie what she knows. It's generally very little. Some of it's often incorrect. And (laughs) while she's explaining, I will often correct her if I can't hold my tongue. I talk about all the stuff that she missed and and filled in. Why don't I say what I know? And then you, Erica, can add on to that. Okay. And Aaron can then talk and we'll, we'll shut up and actually let him talk, unlike what we normally do. He can fill us in and correct both of us. How about that? Okay. Sweet. I know it is an RPG, which I know stands for role-playing game. I know that it has a book and the book has some kind of story option things in it. I'm pretty sure someone is a master. I'm pretty sure that people play roles like they could be an elf or a hat. (laughs) No, that's Monopoly. I mean, I guess you could play as a hat. I'm not (laughs) sure why you would do that. So not a hat. Fine. So people pretend to be mythical creatures, generally speaking. And then there's a whole business with dice. And I don't understand dice. And we're going to have to talk about dice. Is any of that correct? Ish. Ish. Okay. All right. Well, let's see what Erica knows. I've played D&D, I think, all of once. I've played other role play games. Most recently, I was in a game of Champions. I don't know, Aaron, have you ever played any other systems? I have. Champions, it turns out, is super duper complicated. 
So I bought a set of RPG dice because I was like, oh, well, we're going to play a Champions game. But then it turns out Champions is exclusively D6. Also, we were playing it online and we were using an app that was rolling dice for us. So. Oh, that's the lamest thing ever. I mean, it, like, wasn't, it wasn't sounds- fun at all. There are two types of players in Dungeons and Dragons. The first type is the Dungeon Master or DM, which is more commonly known as the Game Master in non-D&D role-playing games. The DM is in charge of building the campaign. They're the storyteller and they use the characters that the other people have created to- Like a hat. Usually not a hat, you know, to build a story and hopefully utilizing the skills that the people have. They also are basically God because they get to decide what happens. They get to decide if something succeeds or fails. Um, Well, I mean, that's part of what the dice are for, too. But in in a lot of cases, the DM can make some judgment calls. And then they hand out experience points, which you can use to level up your character. There's two ways to do it, right? You can build your own character or sometimes the DM, if you're playing in more of a casual game, they'll create characters for you and you can play in those characters. That's less fun, but it's a lot faster. There's often a map. Sometimes people will use a piece of paper or like a board with squares on it that you can draw on with a dry erase. Oh, like in Zelda, like there was a map. Yeah, that was not a coincidence. I assumed that that was modeled after RPG. Are you saying RPGs predate Nintendo? I am. Zelda is an RPG. Yeah, Zelda is an RPG, but... All right, go ahead, Eric. So you can use the map to give your players an indication where things are physically, where they're standing, where the monsters are. You'll use it. I don't know. Do you do this in D&D where you, you can only move a certain amount in battles, those sorts of things? Mm-hmm. So that's yes. that's why the map is helpful because you know how far you are from the bad guys and where you're positioned, the rest of your, your group, your team, your band, whatever you want to call it. There are different stories and different editions of D&D. There's a lot of leeway to make up a lot of stories and whatever you want to do. It is generally fantasy driven. Unlike a system like Champions, where you can literally do anything. My Champions character is a Jedi, for example. Could you be a hat? Yes. This is going to be a running gag. (laughs) Unclear why you would. (laughs) That's pretty much the extent of my knowledge. Aaron, I assume you have a lot more familiarity. And I do at some point want to talk about the alignment scale. Because that will blow Stephanie's mind. Okay. Sweet. We should shut up. Aaron, teach us about D&D. You guys had a pretty good idea. So there is a DM, a dungeon master. The dungeon master makes the framework of the world that you're in and presents various problems. Where people are playing this game. And one of them is a hack. Right. Yes. Uh, and then they would present problems for the players to solve, essentially. So it could be that, oh, the princess was from this town was stolen and the players have to go rescue her. And then the players then kind of decide how they want to do that. And then the, but the DM would create scenarios and would create encounters of monsters or traps and the dungeon layout and all of that stuff for the players to kind okay, of Okay, so through. I, wait, I already have a question. Do yeah. Yeah. Do the players work together? Are they working? Okay, yes. so it's a cooperative, a cooperative game. game. Now, what if you don't have any friends? Will they still cooperate with you? Probably. <laughs> like, could, people, could people go rogue? Like, could they be like, Stephanie, we're going to throw you into the serpent pit? They can, but remember that you're in real life, you're actually getting together with your friends and they're all taking time out of their lives to play as well. So when you do that and you kill another character that means they're not a 
able to play anymore or they have to spend time to create another character yeah it's like a bad it's um, bad form yeah it's bad, bad form. form okay all right unless it's understood among everybody that that's okay so there are parties that are all evil um, and they say they have the goal of we got to kill the hero of this so the players can all be playing individually evil people but they all still have to work together but once that goal is reached or during it if someone's like oh i want that thing that this other guy picked up then they can steal it but uh, that has to be understood before going in that that's the kind of game you're going to be playing so again being a hat is excellent because a hat could be any type of hat you could be a good hat you could be an evil hat you could be a floppy hat i'm going with the hat thing mm-hmm. you should totally play a hat there wouldn't be much for you to do i <laughs> sit on this guy's head so the dungeon master creates this world and says here is your task people and then what right so that's the dungeon master role they also run the game so there's the dungeon master and then there's player characters which are the individual people and they can either roll up and create their own characters that includes various races which could be elves and dwarves so Dungeons and Dragons takes a lot of influence from the Lord of the Rings era world mm-hmm. so dwarves are short and stout and generally have a Scottish accent <laughs> um, elves are tall and thin and like woodsy and uh, but also highly magical and gorgeous great mm-hmm. i love it when i'm right <laughs> fantastic so what does it mean so to you, roll up? you would choose a race that you want to play and a class which could be like i want to be a wizard or i want to be an armored fighter guy or i want to be the sneaky thief kind of person or i want to be the cleric who like is a person that heals people and buffs people. So you choose both a race and a class together and that's how you want to play the game. And you can create personalities Ooh. and all sort of backstories for that character. Erica, this is like the game we have where you can be the class and you can have the Cabanza, Balanza, what's that thing? Yes. Aaron, have you ever played Munchkin? I don't think so. so. So the reason that you can have one class and one race in Munchkin unless you're a mutant or have some other card that allows you to have more than one is because Munchkin is based on RPG, D and D specifically. The version that I have, Star Munchkin, is a sci-fi version. But the original flavor of Munchkin is you kick open the door and you go into a dungeon and you loot the, the dungeon. It's a card-based mm-hmm. RPG essentially. And what's the thing I'm thinking of? You a banana fan of faux phaser. <laughs> yeah, you could have like a laser, maser, taser, banana fan of faux phaser. That's my jam. Let me back up. How the game operates is that the player characters bring in their characters or whatever, and then they can either play them pretty literally, like embody the character and speak like their character would, sometimes even dress up maybe, and all of their actions would be as their character does it, or other people who aren't quite as outgoing or confident in themselves maybe would play it as, oh, my, my character does this, or my character does X, or my character does Y, and rather than speak in the voice of their character. Now I gotta ask questions. Let's say, <laughs> oh, I don't know, I'm a patent attorney, and mm-hmm. that's my, I guess, would that be my race? Your that class. would be my class. Okay, so let's say I am a dwarf patent attorney. So I have two options. I can either dress up in like a stupid suit and I could say things like, I object and pretend to be a lawyer. Or I could say, Mm -hmm. my character stands up and objects to that ruling. Right. 
That's right. Yes. Although there, there is something in between. You can speak as your character, but you don't have to dress as your character. Right. Exactly. Do you have to do a funny voice though? You can if you want to. I mean, to. A funny voice is like the best thing ever. <laughs> I don't know. But then you would have to continually use that same voice over multiple no. sessions. What if you forget? Then you forget. It's okay. fine. All right. It depends largely on your group, the dynamic, and how much of them are sticklers. Because it's a game where you're using your imagination and you're embodying these characters, you can do as much or as little as you want and your group can, the group dynamic really depends. So if you're in two RPG group, it might be totally different across them, even if you're playing the same system. Exactly. What's a system? Like system of a down? The, the system <laughs> is the framework and the rules of how the right. game actually plays. So Dungeons and Dragons is one such tabletop RPG system. The books tell you how to build a character, how you can give your character skills, how your character skills to go to school, you, Khan well, Academy. No, sometimes just you're just sometimes you're just born with things like magic. Mm -hmm. oh, maybe she's born with it. It might be Maybelline though. <laughs> <laughs> Another system, the one that I was playing most recently is Champions. It's just a different framework. It's a different way to build characters. It's a different way to have combat. But it has a way better theme the song. We are the champions. Yes. Probably unaffiliated. Going to get copyright struck. Whatever. For that, I, I barely understandable what I was trying to sing, so I think we're okay. Are there flavors of Dungeons and Dragons, or pretty much when you play Dungeons and Dragons, you're playing Dungeons and Dragons with your own little tweaks and preferences? Yes, there are different worlds you can play in within Dungeons and Dragons, but it all contains the same rule set for the most Got part. It. Like 99% of the same rules. Now, would you say the percentage of dungeons to dragons, are there more dragons per dungeon? So initially when it was created, it was just, yeah, you go through this dungeon, right? And you go in this room, what there's something or whatever, and you fight it, or you, there's a treasure chest, and then you move on to the next room. But it's kind of evolved more into like, here's the world, and how do you want to interact in this world? You could have a whole campaign, which is a num number of individual sessions that kind of tell a story. That never go into a dungeon and, or they never encounter a dragon uh, yeah so the very core of dungeons and dragons where you're exploring a dungeon and you're fighting monsters and you're discovering treasures that's called a dungeon crawler and that's dungeon crawler. that's yeah that's very much the the traditional as far as ratio of dungeons to dragons that's really up to the dm Right. That's right. You know, mm -hmm. That's part of what they do is decide how many dungeons per dragon or dragons per dungeon. <laughs> okay, cool. Dungeon Master is like, mm -hmm. we're living in the Dungeons and Dragons system. We're not playing champions mm -hmm. today. You all have these things and here is your task. Go save the princess. You say, what do you want to do? And they say, we want to knock on the door and see if anyone's seen the princess. And then there's something with the dice, right? You roll to see if it works or it doesn't work. That's right. Yeah, so dice are used to determine fate. if something is successful or not. It's your fate. your fate. You have certain skills that you can do, and then there's a whole very specific set of rules around combat. So there's combat rules and non-combat rules. So when you're talking to somebody in the pub to get information, you're not in combat, so you're going to be using your skills a lot. So there's a persuasion skill and an intimidation skill, and those are based on, we didn't talk about stats, but each character has a set of stats. Like baseball? Um, yeah, exactly. Or attributes, right. So they have strength, intelligence, wisdom, charisma, blah, blah, blah. So there's six of them total. What are the six? Strength, wisdom. Strength, dexterity, constitution, wisdom, intelligence, and charisma. What is constitution? Is that like how much they could eat before they yak? <laughs> sort of, yeah. It's just how tough how they sturdy. are. How sturdy. Your race 
informs that a lot. So if you're playing, say, a dwarf, you'd be pretty strong, but possibly the trade-off is that you'd be dumb. If I you're an elf, of those. you yes. might have high charisma because you're pretty and otherworldly, but low constitution because you're sort you're of spindly. Delicate. Yes, exactly. So generally, there's a trade-off that nobody's going to be maxed out on all of the attributes. When you're building your character, you can only use points in D&D when you build the character. Yeah, there are several ways to build characters, and they've changed the system for building characters a lot. The latest edition, which is 5th edition, which is the most popular edition ever for Dungeons & Dragons. Dungeons & Dragons right now is having this huge resurgence. Really? Because of Stranger it Things. Is. Stranger Things. And then there's a bunch of podcasts, not yes. podcasts, there's a no. bunch of online shows on YouTube and Twitch. So those have really kind Wait, of I'm sorry, what? Is this like esports? Do you watch other people play a game? Yes. Why? Yes. And it's very popular. Really? And one of them is actually, yeah. So the most popular one that's kind of changed the game a lot that you probably would hear of first. It's called Critical Role. I, was just, yeah. I have definitely not heard of that. When you said you would hear, you didn't mean me, right? <laughs> well, I'm if kidding, you were I'm to kidding. hear of one, <laughs> that would that probably one. be the one. Okay. So the reason why that one is so popular is because it's a bunch of voice actors, very successful voice actors that really get into their characters and they play the game as if they're acting. So is it more like... And is it like an improv show? It is, very much so. Yeah. In fact, D&D has a lot of improv in it. Ooh. So when you're at the table and you're, Sitting you know, interacting with people or with your characters, yeah, it's a lot of improv that comes in. So it's a lot of like yes ands. Hey, you just totally piqued my interest. That's the thing. <laughs> uh, now I want to play a role and, and be like, yeah, and then we'll get ice cream. Mm -hmm. Do they have ice cream in Dungeons & Dragons? Of course, sure. They have magic, Un so you, they, they can. can Unfortunately, anything. it's imaginary ice cream. Oh. <laughs> What's fun about D and D or any of these games is when we're not in a state where you're not allowed to see other people, you get together with people and you can have snacks. Mm -hmm. I love snacks. I know. All right, so you have a character, and the character has various attributes that depend a lot on who they are. So, like regular life, if you're a Mm -hmm. Jewish girl from New York, you might be short and cute, as an example. And have and curly then, hair. And have curly hair, or not. So then the dungeon master is like, okay, here's the sitch. People are like, cool, well, I'm elf, so I'm going to use my magical bow. And the dwarf is like, I'm going to stand on someone else's shoulders so I can reach the lock. And they decide what they're going to do, and then the dungeon master mm -hmm. is like, okay, well, let's see what happens. They're like a narrator, is that right? Yep, say... The dwarf wants to try to open the door. Mm -hmm. The dungeon master could say, do you try for the knob or do you want to do anything else? Which is usually a cue for the player to be like, oh, I should probably check for traps. And so they're like, I want to check for traps. And then that's when dice come in and the dungeon master will say, okay, so roll your whatever skill. In this case, it would be like your thieves tools. Mm -hmm. So they would roll that with their dexterity bonus and then get a number. And then dungeon master would have set a number called a DC difficulty class okay. for how hard it would be. And then if they meet or beat that number, then they're successful. And if they don't, then they're not. So that's where the dice come in. And so depending on what you're doing, there's different dice that would be used. Generally, the D20, the 20-sided dice, is used a lot in D&D, especially in this newest edition. And the other dice are usually used for other things, including dealing damage to someone or using a special ability. Or dealing or damage? Or Why would someone be like, mm -hmm. hey, man, you got any damage? 
If you're having a fight <laughs> and you hit someone, you deal damage to them. Oh, it's more like cards and not drugs. Right. right. It's not dealing. Right. Not crack. Yeah, not crack. <laughs> Hugs, not <laughs> drugs. Yeah. Whack is whack. Just say no. Types. The reason you use different types of dice is because there's different probabilities, right? If you're trying to get a six, there's a different probability of getting a six on a six-sided die, getting a six on a 20-sided die. So we're going along and we're rolling dice and doing things. How do you win? There is no winning. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, not that, it's not that kind of game. So the DM designs a campaign. It can either be just one session and, and you complete that session, or you have a whole campaign where you do lots of different things. You fight lots of different enemies. Maybe they're all connected. So maybe you can think of it as each session is like an episode of a TV show. It could be that they're separate episodes, or it could be that it's a season-long arc, and each episode is building towards that climax. As you play and defeat enemies, you gain experience. You can get more things in your character. So for example, if you're a wizard, you can use your experience points to learn new spells. Or if you're a warrior, you can use your experience points to become better with your soul or your bow or whatever your weapon is. When you get to the end of the campaign, what you get is the satisfaction of having finished. That's basically it. There's no winning. Well, you either save the princess or you don't, right? Right. So that could be the end of the campaign or it could be, oh, but you also discover that the captor was some dragon that didn't happen to be there now and is way too powerful for you to try to attack. So then you got to try to figure out, oh, how are we eventually going to get to that point where we want to kill the dragon? So some people play the same characters for years. They just keep playing them and building them. And that's why if you throw them into the pit, they get very annoyed because they're like, I spent five years building up that character and you just double-crossed me and now I'm dead and I have to start over. Well, why can't they just come back? (laughs) I mean, if the DM says they can, they can, but you know. Right. And there are spells to raise people from the dead. There is that That is something the genie will not do. Ixnay on the wishing for more wishes. And he says, I will not make people fall in love with you and I will not raise people from the dead. Well, in D&D, you can raise people from the dead. All right, so this is not Aladdin. (laughs) Got it. Check. (laughs) So the way that you gain power, as Erica already mentioned, is that you get experience points. There's also a different way where the DM could just say at some point, no, everybody levels up. You gain power by gaining levels. Mm -hmm. And so once you gain levels, you gain certain abilities and you gain certain bonuses go up and you get better at certain things. So it's it's kind of a punctuated power game. Mm. DMs can either run a game by giving out individual experience, say, and calculating it out and being like, okay, well, you killed X, Y, and Z monsters and they are worth however many points and then dividing it up. Or they can just say, oh, okay, you reached this goal. So everybody level. So up. there could be Oprah. You get a level and you get a level and you get exactly. a level. Exactly. Got it. What is the thing that's going to blow my mind? Are we ready to talk about whatever that is? Yeah, let's talk about alignment. <laughs> okay. Is this like the chiropractor? No. This is like your alignment of your personality. All right. Tell me about this. I'm ready. Okay. So before I even say that in fifth edition, they've kind of gotten rid of alignment. Um, They just let you play your character however you want to play your character. But they do still have some for the enemies. And it gives a DM a framework on how they should behave. It's also a meme now. Yeah, exactly. So it's a three by three grid. One axis, how good or evil that is. So it's good, neutral, evil. And on the other axis, it's how chaotic or lawful. So it's chaotic, neutral, lawful. So 
It goes from lawful good, which is the shining beacon example. A mensch. You know, white knight. A mensch, if you will. Not sure. Not even I don't know what that means. <laughs> um, think of like, you know, the knight in shining armor, perfect upstanding citizen. The, That's what the Aaron sheriff, just said. The sheriff in the lawless town. I don't know that benches are necessarily lawful. The shining example. What's the other option? So and then at the opposite end of the scale, the example of a lawful good would be like a Superman or a Captain America. Okay. You know, always following the rules, always does the right For thing. For the record, kind of we have not been through either of those on this podcast. So my knowledge is minimal. But go ahead. Well, I understand what you're saying. <laughs> I hope you know enough about pop culture to know Superman stands for truth, justice in the American way. Sure. I do now. <laughs> oh, man. I have my work cut out for me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Truth and justice in the American way. I thought it was, it's a bird. It's a plane. No, Superman. At the other end of the spectrum is chaotic evil. Chaotic means unpredictable, essentially. Mm-hmm. And evil is evil. So the <laughs> Evil means example, evil. Yeah. The example of that in pop culture or in comic book is the Joker. He just does things for his own pleasure. You can't really predict him evil. He's, he's an evil guy. And he's dead. Poor Heath Ledger. Well, there's a new Joker. There's been many. Many Jokers. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, so then there's chaotic neutral and then there's lawful neutral. Yeah, you can be any combination of those two. Can you be right, neutral nine. neutral and just be like... You can be true neutral. I, yeah, I mean... I'm bland. If your hat is not like a talking hat or a magical hat, I assume <laughs> it would just be true neutral. <laughs> I'm the sorting hat. Ooh, I'm the sorting hat. The sorting hat strikes me as... I think neutral. What do you think, Aaron? Maybe lawful neutral. It definitely follows its specific rules. People have put characters like Gilmore Girls characters in the alignment. Okay, well, give me an example. That's my jam. I have never seen Gilmore Girls, so this is all you, Eric. The alignment chart for Gilmore Girls. But first, I'd like to say no one is evil for Gilmore Girls. Lane is listed as lawful good. Right. Except for all the pop music she keeps in her closet under the uh, board. Her mother, Lane's mother, is lawful evil. And Paris is lawful neutral. Lawful neutral? Really? Paris, I would say, is kind of evil. I'm not saying this is right. I'm saying this is what the internet. What about Rory and Lorelai? They listed Rory as true neutral and Lorelai as chaotic good. I don't think think Rory is lawful, isn't she? Yeah, I don't love this one. This person is wrong. I don't even understand the scale, and I know that person's wrong. All right, well, I get the gist. So previously, in prior editions, you had to choose an alignment and generally play your alignment. But there was a certain class called the Paladin, where if you didn't play your alignment, you were penalized mechanically in the game for not doing so. Mechanically penalized? Yeah, so you would lose your powers, essentially. (laughs) Yeah, so they had to be lawful good. So, you know, if the party came across a moral dilemma, they always had to choose, Mm -hmm. we have to save this person, even though it could possibly get the whole party killed. We have to go charging into this demon nest. And so if they didn't do it, if they're like, eh, F it, let's go, then... They could lose some of their special abilities, or they could lose all of their special abilities. But that doesn't really happen in the new edition. Oh, here's one for you, Stephanie. Here's a Scrubs alignment chart. Ah, see? There you go. All right, hit me. JD is neutral good. Uh, Turk is lawful good. Fox is chaotic good. So why would JD be neutral good? He's neither lawful nor chaotic? I feel like he's lawful. So the idea is... You just stick six. You just stick nine pictures in a grid. Then you sign, <laughs> and then you post it on the internet for idiots like me to argue about. This is, is that... an internet meme. 
All right, all right, fine. Okay, all right. Okay, so, moving on. Dr. Cox, who else we got? Ted is too neutral. Jordan is chaotic evil. Kelso's lawful evil. Mm. Yes, that's right. The janitor's yes. neutral evil. Todd is chaotic neutral. And one of the nurses, I don't remember her name, is lawful neutral. What about Elliot? Not on here. <laughs> Not pictured? No. <laughs> I get the gist now. They basically don't make you do this anymore because they're like, look, there's only so much we can keep in our brains. Right. Pretty much everyone would choose chaotic neutral anyway. There's a meme, chaotic stupid. Basically, <laughs> People use that alignment to be like, well, I can just do anything I want. All right. What else should I know? So role-playing games is kind of like this huge umbrella term that kind of encompasses everything where you're, you play a character and that character grows in power or grows in ability or whatever as you advance through the game and you're interacting with other things in the game. So whether that's digital in a video game or with other people or imaginary people in a tabletop game. So that's what RPG generally stands for. And there can be RPGs in space. There can be RPGs in, in you know, ancient history. There can be RPGs in fantasy worlds or in current day. So that's what RPGs are. Okay. And then there's video game RPGs. And then there's tabletop RPGs, TTRPG. And that's, you know, you think about people sitting around a table ah. and interacting with each other. So that's why it's called tabletop. Right. And, or, and the difference is in D&D, in a tabletop game, you have a skill and then they say, I want to use my fireball and you roll a die to see if that fireball is successful. If you're playing a video game, you have that fireball and what you do is you press your buttons to see if it's successful. And if you're wimpy level one, it may work, but it doesn't do very much damage, maybe. And as you advance in the game, you press the X for fireball button and, and now you've burnt down the villain. So it happens on the screen as opposed to rolling a die. Um, with your so, imagination. In your, exactly, in your imagination. In your imagination. Exactly. Like um, figment. Yes, exactly. I have one more question. Have I played any of these? You've played <laughs> video games, so you've played Zelda, a role-play game in that sense. I don't know if you've played any of the more modern ones. You don't generally play video games with me. We haven't really played any RPGs. Munchkin is RPG-inspired. It's not actually an RPG, but it, it comes from that. What about the unicorn? No, that's not really an RPG. Okay, pandemonium. There's another type of RPG called a LARP, which is live action role playing. Have you ever LARPed, Darren? I have not LARPed. No. Wait, is it a verb? Yeah. It's actually really it fun. It can be. So LARPing is very similar to a tabletop RPG. The difference is that you don't play with dice. You actually run around and act out everything, generally with foam swords. And, oh, so like playing know. Quidditch. Yes, that's probably LARPing. Yeah, LARPing is really fun because you could dress up in a costume, you get to run around a physical space, you interact with the people that you're playing with, and you play fully in character. And if you want to say something out of character, what you generally do is you'll wear a name tag that mm -hmm. says who your character is. And what you generally do when you're LARPing, if you want to say something out of character, is you cover your name tag. Time out, basically. Um, well, why don't you just do time out like Zach? I mean, it's whatever people agree upon. The other type of game that's related is a game like Gloomhaven. Have you played Gloomhaven? Or I okay. have. That sounds yeah. like the saddest Care Bear. <laughs> <laughs> it's a game that's an RPG. But what's kind of nice about it is that it's got pre-built characters. Their skills are all on cards, and you get to pick which ones you want to use. And then there's a huge book. How big is it? It's fairly large. Of scenarios. <laughs> it's huge, and then it's just fairly large. It got smaller. And this way, they do all the work of the DM for you. But you still get to play the game. So it's a little bit faster. 
And you don't have to build your own characters either. So it's kind of a, a quick way to get started. However, it's what's called the legacy game, which just like in D&D, as your characters change and grow and sometimes they retire and you have to go play other characters as the game goes on, as you do the campaign and you actually put stickers on the board to indicate what you played, the game changes as you start playing it. I liked Gloomhaven. I think it weighs about 50 pounds. Yeah, so Gloomhaven, I think it's technically considered a board game, right? Yes. If you think about it more in like a board game way, not like Monopoly, there's a lot of setup initially and cards and all sorts of stuff and little miniatures and stuff. But actually, it's actually pretty cool though. Yeah, it's about 50 pounds. It's huge. It's ridiculous. It's a book or it's a box? It's a box. So there's a legacy version of Pandemic. I know you've played Pandemic. Oh yeah, we like that game. That game was fun. I hate Pandemic. Okay, well, let me, wait, 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 wait. I do not like Pandemic now. Yes, I was going to say, first of all, it's depressing. (laughs) But I never liked it because they're like, you're the risk manager. And I'm like, great. It's just like real life. Yeah, some of the jobs are pretty awful. They're like, logistics. Yay. Right. (laughs) Which would you rather be, a chaotic neutral wizard or a risk manager? I don't know. Some people are risk averse. I am risk averse in real life. I don't want to be risk averse in a game. Aaron, what is it that you like about playing Dungeons and Dragons and being a DS? I, I just think it's super fun. You get to escape a little bit. I almost always play spellcasters, so I can cast magic. I can do stuff that I don't do in my real life, so that's for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, and it's fun to just get together with my friends. That's a really big part of it. Mm-hmm. It just gives an excuse for, for a group of people to get together axially and and have a good time together. And it creates stories and bonds. and um, Inside jokes. Inside jokes, yeah. And often when you hear people talk about their D&D game afterwards, it's not, oh, my character did this. They often say, I did this. Kind of like this immersive exploration of what you normally wouldn't do every day. And that's really, really fun. As a DM, I like it because it's just a way for you to facilitate that mm-hmm. with your friend. It's really fun to create the world, but you can't really... At least for me, I don't really want to try to create too much of the story for people to go down because they call that railroading, takes away the choice of the players. And I kind of like to leave the world open for the players to really do whatever they want to do. That makes it harder for a DM because you never know what they're going to do. But give them some options and let them take the game where they want. The game that I was playing, it was very scripted. I was like, so I guess we have to go here now. I don't think that's particularly fun. Okay, so Ara, what do you like about playing role-playing games? I actually don't really like... Nothing. I like nothing about nothing. I like to LARP. I like more open-ended games. I feel like when they're very structured, if you don't feel like you're really playing and there's no real strategy because you just have to do what basically the DM is, you basically have no choices. If it's open-ended enough or you can just run around and play and play in an open world, that's really fun. And really anything where you get to play with a bunch of dorks is always fun. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So you need friends. It comes back to that. You can only really play, the minimum is really three people because you need one person to be the DM and then you don't really want party of one. That's kind of sad. Oh, (laughs) party of one. That is sad. So do you have a group now, Aaron, that you play with? I do, although since Shelter in Place, we haven't played. Oh, you're not playing online? Yeah, I am just now starting to get my button gear. So I am, I'm a player in a game that we have kind of gone online. So in that game, there's six players and a DM, which is a little bit on the big side. On the game that I DM, we haven't gone online yet, but that is five players and the DM. So four to five is kind of the ideal number. Otherwise, turns take too long and people start to tune out when it's not their turn. I'm sorry, what? 
Exactly. All right. Well, I feel like I now understand Dungeons and Dragons and the big world, at least, of really passionate gremlins. Is there anything else that I should know? There's tons more to talk about. That covers the basics. Aaron, thank you so much for putting up with me and my sister. You are an (laughs) excellent sport, and it was really fun to talk to you and get a different perspective. And now I know that I want to take improv classes. So, yay. You should check out one of the episodes of Critical Role. Just, like, watch a few minutes of it. It's really fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Maybe. Maybe. I will consider it. I will consider it. It was a lot of fun. Thank you for inviting me. I had a great time. Cool. All right. Take it Um, away, Erin. I'm glad you had a a good time, Erin. And thank you for joining us and educating us about D&D. And thanks to all of our many, many listeners. (laughs) All of so many listeners. So many listeners. (laughs) We're so popular. You can find us on Anchor at anchor.fm slash r-u-new-here. And you can listen to us on Spotify or lots of other podcast networks. You can see all of them on our Anchor page, or you can go to our Twitter feed, which is at new here underscore pod, and check us out, see where we're available and get links to all of our new episodes. If you have a question, for us or you want to give us comments or correct us on something that we were maybe wrong about you can hit us up on twitter or you can email us at newherepodcast at mail.com maybe we'll give you a shout out on the show Aaron, is there anywhere that our many many listeners can find you on the internet nope okay <laughs> cut that out carry on all right this podcast was produced edited and hosted by erica with me as always is my co-host stephanie and of course our very very special guest aaron our intern toby is paid in dog treats and pretty much does nothing if you liked our podcast be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and tell all your friends so our many many listeners will become many 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 listeners it would really help us out to support the podcast what do we say at the end (laughs) have a nerdy day yep have a nerdy day